say this to everybody who's, who's giving online and who's giving through all these other different means. We have Vimo or Venmo. Is that what it's called? We have Cash App. We have, uh, I want to give you, the, people have asked me about this. You can give through texting. You know, these are people who, who uh, are tithing to us who doesn't, and give offerings here that don't come to this church because they're, they, it's impossible for them to. But here's a text number that you can give under, with, 352-342-0102. 352-342-0102. And, uh, you know, Jonathan told me I need to promote this, you know, so there it is. 342-0102. So I want to I tell you that, man, I, you know, I always want to be inspired by God's Word. If I'm, if, if I'm not inspired, I don't, I'm not going to try to, I won't be able to inspire any, anybody else. But I'm not looking for temporary type inspiration. I'm not trying to just get us all pumped up and get us motivated and, and, and uh, you know, uh, get us all excited. It reminds me of a story of a friend of mine years ago who had a younger brother. And he, my friend was the older brother, and he always beat his, old, his younger brother up all the time. And his mother always said, one day your little brother's going to get big enough and he's going to whip you. He's going to be able to beat you up. So my friend told me that they lived in Birmingham and that they lived in an apartment complex. And so they were on the, like the second floor. So you go out the apartment and then you had to go out downstairs, downstairs to the uh, courtyard or whatever. So this friend of mine told me that one day he was home and, uh, from college and his little brother was there, and I think his brother was maybe a senior in high school at the time. And so they were both big boys. And so my, my friend started picking on his brother again. His mother said, this is it. Today's the day. It's the day you're going to be able to beat your brother up. Do it. And so my, my friend said, he stood up. He said, you think today's the day? He said, yeah. He said, I'll tell you what, let's take it outside. And his, his mother had, had gotten his, his little brother so pumped up, man. He was like ready to go. So he, he jumps up off the couch, and he goes outside and my friend went behind him and locked the door. So I'm like, that's a genius thing. So I don't want to get us all hyped up and then we walk out the door and get it locked behind us. I'm talking about something for longevity, something that will bring maturity. And, and I've been meditating on this word I believe you always speaking to me about and I don't want to, I'm going to say it, but I don't want you to guess and start thinking of all the you know, metaphors that we can use with trees because it, it may apply some, but the fact is we've been talking about not following the cloud, not being wandering in the wilderness anymore, but being rooted and established and grounded and like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. And so this morning, I, I, wanna, I was going to call this and teach on the two trees that are in the midst of the garden. And I kind of am. But I don't want to limit what God's going to do as he expands our minds to a subject that's going to go beyond what just the average person who can take a Bible scripture. Maybe, they're, maybe they are good talkers, you know, maybe good storytellers. They'll take a Bible scripture and they'll take that passage and they'll give a great dissertation. It'll be wonderful, but it'll just be from a natural aspect. You know, it's like, thou shalt not lie. Thou, thou, it's talking about you and me, thou. They'll do a whole thing on the word thou. Shall, shall means actually shall. 
not, not. It means not, not that you will, but you won't, but you shall not. I mean, they go through the whole thing word by word, and all they do is, all they do is word breakdowns out of Western's dictionary, maybe some Greek. And they, but that's not how we get revelation knowledge, by interpretation of something that we in our carnal mind can think we understand. And so I always ask people, look, just be open. Just be open. Because sometimes what people think you're going to say, they've already interpreted what they think you're going to say. And no matter how you try to explain what you're trying to explain to them, they can't hear it. Because they've already determined in their mind. That's why the traditions of men make the word of God no, no, uh, no effect. That's, that's why you can teach on a subject and you search certain phraseology or certain terminology. And what happens, people, oh, I know that already. I said, okay. So my opening statement today would be this. I guess my, I, I'm going to say this is the issue for our lives today. What I'm going to talk about, I'll probably, who knows how long it's going to take me. This is a preceding word. You know, we don't have a little Christmas message. And so, you know, I tried to do my best to have a Christmas message last week. And, and I talked about the baby, that baby and that ba major. I thought it was a good Christmas message, didn't y'all? And so today I'm like, okay, how can I start the new year? Well, you, when you see the new year coming in and the old year going out, do y'all know what the caricatures of that is? The old year is what? An old man. But what's the new year? That's right. So this is my new year's message. So my opening statements would be this. How would it, we feel if all of us here this morning were completely naked? Now I think that's a good opening statement. Would you be ashamed or unashamed? The fact is, Adam and Eve were unashamed. And they're standing in front of the presence of the Elohim. The Elohim are, are, who created the earth, the eyes and the hands of God that, that created. That's who the we are. We shall make them an hour. That's the hour of who these people were created after. And, and they were standing there in the presence of the angels of God, naked. Now, some people think it's metaphoric. They really wasn't naked. I said, well, okay. I thought about, how would I feel ashamed if I was standing in the presence of the angels of God completely destitute of clothing? Look, many of us feel ashamed just by ourselves in a mirror. Hello. This is kind of light, light this morning. Okay, I'm trying to be light with you. Adam and Eve. So I know that this tells me something about them. At that time in the garden. What's the garden about? If, if I were to replace all the people in this room with boys and girls of two years of age and under, and they were completely naked, I want to tell you something, they would not be ashamed. They'd be walking around. I remember, I tell people, I'll say, you know, they say, well, we sang that song last week. <laughs> we, watch, we watch reruns all the time. How many of you know that the, the radio station that you listen to is on a cycle of songs? You, watch, you listen to Sirius Radio, a certain channel, for about a week, they'll have the same song come on at the same time. And then the next week or a few days, they, they just shift it over a little bit more. So it's all about reruns. We know what reruns is. And, and I watch, and I love watching Andy Griffin. I still like watching Andy Griffin. But I realize that this Mayberry never did exist back in the good old days what, that they're portraying. People say, man, I wish we lived back in those good old, those good old days. Well, let me tell you about those good old days. All that was was the perception of your childhood innocence. And you could have been living anywhere, and you'll have great memories 
with ex there's exception, of course. Man, those are the good old days. My dad, I used to talk all the time about how my dad, he longed back for the good old days, and that was the depression. So there's a perception of childhood innocence. So here, Adam and Eve are naked, and it tells me something about them. It tells me that they were in this very special condition of mind that prevented the outworking of, uh, that came as a result of their disobedience. This is what they were told. Do not eat from that tree. It's interesting about Yahweh. He won't always tell you why. So I guess it's scriptural when your mama used to tell you, because I said so. Anybody ever had somebody say, because I said so? We told our children that, not at any particular stage. I mean, I still tell my people, because I said so. One of the reasons it is that because they don't comprehend. They don't understand. They don't see the whole picture. When and Adam and Eve were like that, and the facts that, that the Scripture testifies about them tells us that we ought to think a little bit. And we ought to think what God is saying when he says, when he said this, that the man and the woman were naked and they were not ashamed. I'm like, wow! Now that's some liberty right there. They were naked and they were not ashamed. Now, I've taught on this before, this, this particular thing I'm talking about now what I'm fixing to start talking about. And it's my belief that when God made the woman, he saved the best for last. Can I get an amen from anybody in here? No, no, bro. I think the man's the most beautiful thing. Oh, really? No, man. That woman, man, that's the most beautiful thing ever made. He saved his last creative act for that. Wait, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to put you to sleep. And when you wake up, you're going to see how how good I really am in creation. She was made. And this is where it gets controversial because everybody starts reacting from their little bit of historical life or their little bitty tiny experience. But I'm going to tell you what, our little experience does not define the truth. People say, well, I'll tell you what, I've lived this long and this happened to me. Well, that don't mean it's the way it is because it happened to you that way. Or that you now think that way because this happened in your life. Let me tell you about that most beautiful creation. And this is only the introduction of my message, and I'll get to it. And that is this. The Bible says that she was made for the man. It does not say that the man was, was not made for her. I mean, it was made for her. Matter of fact, it, man was not made for the woman. She was made for the man. Guess what? She was made out of the man. Now, I'm going to give you all a clue here to help your thinking because some people's thinking that listen to me right now, I guarantee they're like, well, I'll tell you what, that man, he didn't do me good. I'm an independent woman. I work on my own. I don't need a man, blah, 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 blah. That's your experience. And I respect and understand that position. What I'm preaching is the truth. And what I'm teaching right now is we'll get you in a place where you can run around naked if you know what I'm saying. Not being interfered by anybody else's opinion and what this wicked world is doing. We're not bowing down to this system. Uh, just hang on with me. Because really, I'm still talking about unity. And I'm talking about ecclesia. And whenever I teach anything on man and wife and marriage, I speak a mystery concerning Christ and the church. Do you all understand that? The only teaching about marriage is really, so it's an example and a prototype or a type and shadow of what the real purpose is and what we really need to put our focus upon. The most important house is number three, Ecclesia. 
So he made this woman for the man. And he created the woman, the bride, the church, just so I, you won't get, I won't lose you, for the purpose of dependence. Not independence, but dependence. If we go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. Y'all intercede for Robert right now. Because Apostle Paul is, tells us this beautiful secret. And this is what he says. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or golds or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Oh, I know what's happening right now. Er, 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 er. Well, I know you're not doing that, but in your mind you wish you could do that. Woman, women need to shut up and not say anything in the church. And he'll say that. But you just read that. No, what you're doing is you're taking something out of context. I'm going to explain some things. And this, is really it. My, this ain't my, my subject today. But I want us to get a mindset of what we're talking about and with the whole purpose of the Bible, what it's talking about and what God wants to do. Let's try to grasp what he's saying. He's, if the man and the woman are equal... In their ability to reflect honor of God, in their ability to have the glory, to reflect the glory of God, if they're just as eligible as a male to, to uh, receive the gifts of God as a man is, and they are equal, why should Paul say that? He uses one reason. Not because the man is smarter than the woman. Not because the man is stronger than the woman. Not that the man, I mean, we could go on and on. You know, he, he's, he's imperfect, in my opinion, compared to the perfect created creation of a woman. But this is why he says it. He said, because of seniority. Adam was first formed. And Eve was formed out of him. That's the reason he, he gives for saying this. I suffer not a woman to teach, nor usurp authority over the man. He don't say anything about Eve sinning. He don't say anything about the judgment that came on Eve as a result of what she did. I want you to hear what's important this morning. And for us in this next year, if we want to limit it to that, I hope that we get this revelation of something in our heart, in our mind, of the importance of a subject that if we don't get, we will never get a well done. He made one appeal, and the appeal is that which was from the very beginning. No other reason did he give. So if we under, if we, this is what we understand by what God is telling us through the Apostle Paul, and this is what he says. He says, listen, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor usurp authority over the man. What does that mean? Well, just a, a casual reader. I had somebody tell me the other day, man, I, I, got a, I got a friend. They read the Bible every day. They read the Bible. You know what? They, won't, they will never understand it. My mother used to read the Bible every night. She didn't understand it, but she read it, and she would sleep with it. Like it had some magical power. That, that book had a magical power. She would, she would get sick. She would put it on whatever was hurting. It's interesting to understand that in the Greek, when it says, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor usurp authority over the man. Listen to what it really, the word is. Usurp authority over is a one Greek word, autos. A-U-T-O-S, autos. It actually means worker, only together with this next phrase. A woman is not to work independently. Why? Because marriage 
is, the, is a metaphor of Christ and the church. It's talking about we cannot work independently. Do you understand what I'm saying? This ain't so much about the man and the woman and the wife, and even though it is. It actually means that we are not to be independent. We are to be dependent upon one another. That's what it means. Paul said that's what it means. And if we're not going to believe Paul, don't say you're a Christian. When a woman works independently, it's just not God's way. He's basing this teaching on what God did on the sixth day. Adam was first formed, then Eve. The man and the woman are equal in their potential to manifest, you know, Yahweh. They are entirely at one as far as their ability to receive the gifts of God. But they're different. Listen, even people who are having these operations know that a man and a woman are different. You know how I know that? Because they're trying to have an operation to show to become something that they're not. And there's no difference between man and, man and woman. Now, have y'all got past our defense mechanism about women's lib and all that? Are we past that this morning? Huh? No, you're not. I didn't think so. How many say, uh, how many of you in this room believe we're all different one from another? How many believe the body has parts and they're all different one from another? How many of you believe they all have to be fitly joined together or you don't have a body? When a woman manifests her role, there's nothing more glorifying to God, in my opinion. And whether you may think because of the condition of our minds by the media and this little part of the world that we've lived in for just so many years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, 200 years in America, just because people believe a certain thing, that does not make it the way of success with God. I'll tell you how it is. Well, okay, but you can live that way if you want to. But I'm not going to be limited by how, what I do and what I say and how I live my life and what I believe and how I spend my money on and how I talk based on not even modern Christendom. And you know that's true. I found out that living this, in this life, it's just dreariness and drudgery and, and just an endless round of monotonous toil. It's just over and over. Yahweh wants to give us a form of glory. A man, woman does her part, there's another higher glory. When a man does his part, there's no higher ideal unto which he can attain. Let me tell you what, I tell people this, you know, about people. Well, how many prophets you got in the church? I hope we don't have any. How many people are called to the ministry? I mean, I hope many. And what your idea of that is, I hope we don't have any. I'll tell you what I'm impressed with. A man who gets up every morning early and goes to work on a monotonous job that they may not like, but because of their role that they're filling and their wife that they love and their children they love, and they come home and they're a daddy and a father and a presence in that home. I got to tell you, I'm impressed with that man. What if he don't prophesy? Yeah, I'll say unto thee, good. Because most of that's just out of people's own made up, trying to live up to something they're imitating to make them feel good about something they're not. You might want to go decode that. I've had people come in this pulpit and try to pull off with you some old stale bread, some old manna. Try to work in word of knowledge and do, you know, try to do, do something they, they got away and can't get away in other churches, but they can't get away with it here because it, it falls on deaf ears. And as soon as they get out of their mouth, it falls on the ground. And God, I'm going to tell you something. They go home feeling like a failure. But it's really a door-opening thing because they're not imitating some move of the past that they felt successful in. I'll tell you a story. 
My sister was in high school. There was a guy there. My mother and I would go pick my sister up from the same high school I went to. And there was this guy there. I don't remember his name. She probably would know if I could tell her who it might be. And I don't even know if he, he might have been older than, he might have been picking his girlfriend or sister up. He had either like a Triumph TR or MG, some kind of little car like that, you know, convertible. And you could tell he was an athlete because he had broad shoulders and large chest and big arms. And he had this big neck, you know, that football player neck. Where, and so I'm like, man, that guy. And so there was a girl that I liked in the third grade named Judy Schindelbauer. Oh, yeah, I remember her name. I said, hey, you want to have to change your last initial on your onogram? And I would go to the, you had to get up and go to sharpen your pencil. Remember that? And I would go back and don't go down my aisle. I go down Judy Schindelbauer's aisle. And this is what I would do. I was a scrawny boy. I tried to get that neck to pop out by Judy Schindelbart. I'm sure my eyes went crossed. I see preachers and men trying to copy other preachers and ministries all the time. We need to take stock of ourselves in a world that wants to treat the roles of man and woman and you optional. I mean, nowadays, not only do they want to turn the roles upside down, but they, they want to change their phys phys uh, physiological appearance. And this is what I want you to hear me. They are inverting the order that Yahweh established. It don't work like that. It works like this. It don't work like that. It works like this. We need to be very careful that the man and the woman know exactly who they are as God defined them from the beginning. And we ought to be about doing that in our hearts and mind with our spouses together as one. Each having their own role. Why? Because that's the way God did it in the beginning. And he hasn't changed it. There are no other questions to be even entered. I mean, well, what about this? It doesn't matter. But what about if he does this? Or what about if he sees that? And what about if they don't do that? There's, you, we, it's simple as that. We need to read our Bibles carefully. We don't need to stop in the middle of any verses. Don't stop in the middle of any thread. And today, obey God and get our houses in order. And you can't set your house in order without somebody cooperating. Okay, that's appetizer. That's something that needs to be said because I'm going to now attempt today to look at two trees that God placed in this garden. And Yahweh, has, you know, and this is funny because I typed the word Yahshua. Yahshua. In other words, Yahweh and Yahshua both spoke to me, honestly. <laughs> About trees, as I told you earlier. And I sure am not, I'm old enough to know this. I'm not going to ask Assume me nothing when Yahweh starts speaking to me. Because what I'll do, I'll say I already know the way there. And when I say I already know the way there, guess what? I'll just go to where I've already been. And I'm not interested in that. Been there, done that. I'm looking for where Yahweh's taking us today. Listen to this scripture. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the eye and good for food, the tree of the life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. All right. That's the tree to which God appended a law to. He assigned this law that. And he said, look, I do not want you two people to eat of that tree. What's he really trying to say? 
That's why I don't understand God. It's because if it's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if it's knowledge and it's good, and you know, why, why are you forbidding me to do that? It's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'll know about it. If God's wise, if Yahweh's right, if he really is intent on making himself responsible for the effectiveness of these laws that he requires us and wants us to do, and he's pronounced upon us, why in the world is God going to forbid us something that he said is good because he said everything he made was good? What's wrong with God? Don't he understand things? Maybe, I, he didn't really mean that. This is what, that's what our, our internal dialogue will tell you. Hey, he didn't really mean that. Well, the answer to that question should be realized in us as we've seen the effects that breaking that law took. How many of you know that God was serious about it? And we're still paying for it. That's how serious he was. Look, if you do that, this is what's going to happen to you. And he, he done screwed all of us. By disobeying God, Eve unwisely listened to the serpent she took of the forbidden fruit. And what were the results? Listen, listen to me. They began to immediately understand as if these eyes that they had had these beautiful scales upon them of innocence. And these scales fell from their eyes. And guess what they could see? They could see that they were naked. I have a good friend preaching in a church years ago. His wife was the sister of the then, the then governor of Louisiana. And he was preaching, and they had a little break where they hugged everybody after the offering and, and before they sat down to hear the message. And she excused herself. They were visiting. He was the visiting speaker that day, and they had her a place reserved on the front. And she excused herself, and while they were having that little break, she went to the ladies' room. And when she came back, service had already started. He'd already preaching. And so she comes walking down the aisle. And she had like a wedding train by hanging off of the back of her. About 20 feet of toilet paper. And her dress was hiked up. And her pantyhose was up here. And she had the toilet paper in her. And there she comes. She wasn't bothered in the least. Unaware. She don't know it. So I got two people say, how you doing? I say, I'm doing great. But if you know something different, don't tell me. I'd rather not know. Because what you don't know ain't going to hurt you for right now. Because you'll start worrying about it. There she comes. Well, guess what? <laughs> the aftermath of that was uh, it affected her. Her innocence was gone when she realized what had happened. They became ashamed. They became afraid. They, all of this stuff that we deal with every day, y'all. I'm ashamed. I'm afraid. I'm fearful about this. What's going to happen? I'm paranoid. Oh, I have this insecurity. Oh, all of these things. Is it good that they became afraid? Was it good that they should become ashamed? Was it good that they should know they're naked? So, so guess, guess what? Was it good that they had to get put outside the fellowship of those angelic beings and that kind of influence and that power of an environment that was full of faith and potential? Is that good for them? What's good about it? Well, he said don't do it. He said don't do it. Decidedly to ask the question is to answer it. It wasn't really good at all. That tree really wasn't good at all. That tree was not good at all. Did God mean what he said? He said, don't eat the tree? Yeah, we know he meant exactly what he said. Do you think that Yahweh was unaware of the effects of disobedience? No. He told them, don't do it. Did he want those people to obey or disobey? Was it just the words when he said, don't eat that tree, and then all is good and evil? Did he really mean it? Or did, was it just something, well, you know, it's God, it's in the Bible. I'm, 
is optional. Good and evil, which all we was talking about, are not separate or opposed ideas. I tell people all the time, good comes off the same tree as evil. They are one idea. And the one idea is this, that if we turn over to the first of John chapter 5, you'll read certain words that have a great bearing on what we're trying to, I'm trying to communicate to us today and prophetically speak this word that was going to produce some fruit. Verse 1 says this, Whosoever believeth that Yahshua is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him loveth him also that begot him, even as he is begotten of him. In verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. What is John telling us, man? He's saying, look, there's this practical test that we can place upon ourselves. And that test is this. Do we keep his commandments? It's real easy. Does God really want us to? Did God really want Adam and Eve to keep his commandments? I want to tell you, I believe that's an unqualified Absolutely. Yes. That's what God wanted. He wanted them to keep his commandments. Yes, yes, yes. And the only two kinds of love that can be, that can be participants in this that we're talking about is 1 John 2, 15. Loving the things of the world and loving the things of God. I want you to hear me for the great Marismos as we enter the final phase to our well done. And the race that's been set before us, I want you to hear, because I'm declaring, I'm drawing the line today, what God said. Did Adam and Eve love the things of the world, or did he love the things of God? What caused them to break that, what seemingly seemed, simple law? Okay, you can have all that, you can have it, but don't do that. I've always told people, do not make what you don't want your children to do so forbidden that they're going to do anything it takes to do it. Everything that my, they used to preach about against sin and all that, they made it sound good, so good. I'm like, well, I think I'm going to go get me some of that. Don't do that. Oh, don't do that. Oh, you better not do that. Man, and the people who are doing it are like, man, this is great. We still haven't answered God. Why would ever, why God, we, why God have, you never, have, have you never forbid something why would you forbid something that you say is a, tr a tree of knowledge of good and evil? It just it, it used to stop me all the time. I mean, I had, I had a mental understanding. You don't know I play golf a lot. I play around with people. A lot of them are retired people. And I want to tell you, you ask them, hey, are you enjoying life? Man, it's so great. I'm enjoying life, man. I'm a, oh, I'm so enjoying life. They say, yes, 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 yes. We are thoroughly enjoying ourselves in our retirement. We're blah, 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 blah. It, which is determined by a principle of this. You know, we called it this. If it feels good, do it. But this is how our generation is. If it satisfies and incites our sensations, then we have the attitude of that's what we want to do. But my question is this. I got you. But what does it bring in your wake. You know what a wake is? No wake zones. All right, I'm going to do this. But what does it bring in my wake? Okay, you say you're so happy. You say, I, years ago, I, I played golf with this guy. 
Bevy was with me. We were on Silver Spring Shores Golf Club. This was 30 years ago. It was a Sunday after church. We're out there. We're hole number nine. And, and so this guy says, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to play. He was frustrated at golf. And then he said, uh, I'm going go to I'm gonna go back to work. I'm going to play golf when I retire. And I said, bro, you will never do that. Because what it is you are enjoying now will be what you will enjoy then. And you won't play golf then. You'll still want to work. That's what is inside of you. But what people do, they, they spend, listen to this, they spend their whole life to get to some kind of place called retirement. And retirement can be in your mind about if it's just having enough money or you don't have to work no more, you don't have to go in and punch the clock. Whatever that little mindset is, they spend their whole life for that and nothing to prepare for all of eternity. It's frivolous. It's ignorant. It's stupid. But they cannot stop the wake. And I've gone through wake zones before and over in England, uh, uh, Yankee Town and Crystal River. It's just frustrating. You want to get it and go, but all because of manatees and all that. And so when you come flying about 40 miles an hour around a bend and all of a sudden the, the Florida Marine Patrol guy sitting there, guess what? You can say, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't going. You got a big wake behind you. The telltale wake of where you've been and it comes, with, it comes behind you. Everything we see out there through the eye of faith is what that kind of good brings in its, tra in its train. The, tr the knowledge of good and evil, it's something that's good, but it always has a train of evil. He's not saying this. Okay, I don't want you eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and that tree of the knowledge of evil over there. That ain't what he said. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? I said, we're not eating he didn't separate the trees. He put them on one tree. He says there, there is a kind of good that is, a, that is good to what? The flesh. That is good to what? The carnal mind. That is good to what? Our perception of what we think is successful or happier feels good. And that's what Yahweh is saying. Don't eat that kind of good. Listen to this. I've had people tell me, well, you know, Brother Johnny, laws are made to be broken. <laughs> I'm like... I said, so you believe that's what, what God thinks about his laws? Huh? Fool? Fool? You think Yahweh thinks that about his laws? Yeah, I made them, and, they, and there's no ramifications. You can break them, but guess what? Well, I guess I haven't felt anything yet. Well, don't look behind you, because your wake is there. I assure you, there's only one thing that God wants to be done with his laws, and that is for you and I to fulfill them. And not break them. There was another man came along, the last Adam, Yeshua. I'd say he's a special man. I'd say he's a unique man, special historically, special in character, special to Yahweh. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? But guess what? He wasn't exempt from the law. I'd ask my son, you know. I mean, when it comes to family and son and people that you love, sometimes we, we have a tendency that we think it's okay to just overlook the law for them. And guess what you did? You just probably signed their death certificate. Oh, it's okay, son. I sure don't want us not to be buddies and you not come over and us pal around anymore. I'd rather never see my sons again than to see them get their well done. You hear what I just said? Because I found out this life is nothing anyhow. And when somebody dies, they'll be awake in the twinkling of an eye. See, my philosophy and my outlook of life is not based on this temporal life. Y'all hear what I just said? 
Brother Johnny, what about this? I get it. Listen, I get it. we're going through. I'm, I'm not saying there's not happy times and bad times. I'm just saying that a true believer knows and bases everything on the outcome of that day. Not what's going to happen tomorrow. Not what's going to, I'm focused on that day. What, I mean, what's the thing? Uh, carpe diem, carpe diem, seize the day. I, I'm only going to seize the day for one thing because my eyes is on the future. What I do today, if it doesn't affect that day, then it is powerless. Special man. Man, when Yahshua came, well, you know, okay. I'm, all right, if he wants to sneak a kiss over there with, I mean, she is a good looking girl. It's okay. Matter of fact, Yahshua, if y'all want him, just move in with us. Y'all just move with us and y'all just can have sex. We don't care. What about, what about, oh, it's okay. Yeah, well, I know you're doing just a little bit of that. It's, it's all right. He didn't repeal any law. He didn't look over any law and say it was okay for Yeshua. Thou shalt not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Yeshua. It's the law. It's the only law. It's the law that really caused Yeshua to be the one who would come rescue us and see if he could love God enough because that's what it is. And love his brethren enough that he would keep his commandments. Because bottom line, y'all, a man will keep the law because he loves Yahweh and he loves his family and ecclesia. That's why he keeps the law. It's about loving God. You don't, you're not a law keeper. You don't love God. That's your test. That law still hadn't been voted down. The Constitution hadn't been changed. It has never been taken away. And it has been fulfilled by this one guy, that baby that was in that manger, Yahshua. Because never in all of his life did he participate in any kind of knowledge that only brings evil as a result. I don't care how good it is. Did y'all hear what I just said? He didn't participate in any knowledge about good, anything no matter how good it felt or how good it appeared, or how good the world thought it was, or how you measure yourself by something that somebody else says was good, but God says it's not. He never did it, and therefore he never had evil as the result. We're under that law today. We're living every day in the midst of a community of people, and I want to tell you what they're out there doing. They are eating of nothing than that tree. Y'all know it. We get out there, what are they doing? Gobble, 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 gobble. I mean, they're up there shaking trees. Here, get it through. Get it down. Here it comes. They're climbing the top of trees, of getting that fruit. They are all over that tree. Here we are. I said we. Say, y'all say me. Say it right now. Me. Say me. And then say us. Because that's what I believe about us. We're trying to live every day. Desperately trying to feed ourselves rich on the things of God. Because that's what will prevent us from eating that too. When you got something that's so good. I'm so glad that I've already filled my belly up because I don't need to eat that pie anyhow. Because I'm full of that which is good. And here we are. We're trying to feed ourselves. But guess what? We live every day in people. Y'all know the rat race out there. You know what their visions are, their goals. It's all death. They think, as the old guy said, they get to, they get to the top of the ladder and find out it's leaning against the wrong wall. Oh, this is what they find out. They get to the top of the mountain to find out that the other side is that it's nothing but a slippery slope into the grave. And that's a fast ride off the other side of that hill. When we come to Genesis chapter 3, we find that the law has been extended from what God originally gave to Adam. Here, Adam, this is what I require of you. Guess what, Johnny? We're extending that to you too. What is it, Yahweh? Don't eat that tree. Do not eat from that tree. Okay. Verse 3. The woman said to the serpent who deceived her, listen to this, 
But of the tree, of the, but the fruit of this tree, which is in the midst of the garden, ye shall not eat of it. Well, that's what Yahweh said. But she knew that it even meant something further and deeper than that. Did Yahweh tell her that? Did she make that up? Was that something she was telling herself so she wouldn't eat of it? What else did she say there, y'all? She said, you don't eat of it. Guess what? Don't even touch it or you will die. Can I tell you that people are more afraid of the coronavirus than they are that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? This has a 100% mortality rate. Coronavirus, 99 point whatever it is, you're going to live. Does mortality mean you're going to live or you're going to die? 100% of what I'm talking about. But you know what? People, they would just, they, they, listen, I'd rather die of the coronavirus and get it well done. Because I know in the twinkling of an eye, that's what that means. Fall asleep, twinkling of an eye, there you're there. Well, what about your loved ones? Well, I'm waiting on them. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. Because our goal is not to survive the coronavirus as much as it is to get a well done and be an overcomer. So what if you die of the coronavirus? Y'all understand my comparison here. Do you understand it? I'm not belittling it. We're, do whatever. But in comparison to what I'm preaching about and what the gospel says, it, is, it does not even compare. But we, we've eaten that good stuff so long. She's telling the serpent, and we can get into that metaphorically or whatever you want to be, however you believe, but it doesn't matter what it is. The truth is what we're learning, and we've learned. Just not eating, just not eating the tree, guys, ain't enough. He said, don't touch it. So I don't even call it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil anymore. I've renamed it. I call it the tree of death. Why wouldn't you? The tree of death. Why do you do that? Because the result of eating of that tree or even touching that tree, it says, lest ye die. Well, you don't really mean that. No, you really not really believe it. And this is the bad part about it. It tastes good. That tree tastes good. Otherwise... You wouldn't be tempted. I always say, you know, Reggie Brock always says, you know, man, I'm, he used to tell my mom, I'm going to come eat some of your rutabagas again. Reggie ain't never been in my mama's house and ate rutabagas in his life. So one day, I forget where it was. Something, was it you made the rutabagas or something, Reggie? Somebody made rutabagas. I said, oh, eat them. Oh, you love them. There they are. Might have been my mama. Oh, hey, here. Gobble up. I mean, and Reggie, Reggie can look at certain people and, and throw up in a restaurant. But then we'll tell you what, that world, that tree of the knowledge, that death tree, whew, dude, it tastes good. It tastes good. Yeah. Y'all could not, y'all don't even have to be here today. Y'all could be somewhere where y'all can really have a good time. Y'all could really enjoy things. You could really, you know, instead of you're stuck here. You have to come here because it don't taste so good necessarily. It may go down sweet. I try to make it go down sweet, but it's going to hit your belly. It gets bitter anyhow, so I might as well just give you a spoonful of sugar. It's sweet, but the end result is only one thing. I want you to look at me. You will serve a monster for the rest of your life. That's all you'll serve. You think you're serving your wife. You think you're a good daddy or a good mommy. We're all this. Nah, sorry. You're going to serve that monster. You might gratify some of your senses by the power of your intellectual choice now, but it will turn into you serving a monster. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Aren't you thankful that you woke up one day and now you don't have to serve a monster anymore? Come on, somebody say yeah. I know. I know what I'm talking about. That monster. 
that's in your head, that internal dialogue that will torment you forever, no matter how much money you got or how good you think it's going. And when you got your plan together, guess what? The rug gets pulled out from under you because you forgot to look in your wake. Let me tell you what that monster does. He pays you exactly what you've earned. That's how life is. You reap exactly what you sow. He will pay you the wages of sin, which is what? And guess what death is? It ain't just that you're going to die. You'll be dead to anything that's life-giving. You will have no, nothing life-giving. It'll never really satisfy you. So you'll, have all the, you'll go to this little hobby, then you'll go to that little hobby, and you'll do this, and you'll try. Or you think that the life of Riley is retiring in a community center and get to play golf whenever you want to. But let me tell you what I know. Because it doesn't take me. I'm not boasting in me. I'm evidently a priest. Because they come to me and start confessing. People I have no, I don't even hardly know them. And they begin to tell me things. And how their lives are. And they even want to tell me how churchy they are. I said, do you go to a good church? They said, I sure do. I said, I know. It's the same tree as an evil church. What you talking about, Willis? Oh, we have a good church had a lady yesterday she said oh you're you're a pastor I said, yeah she said what's your church I said, it was around the corner up there you wouldn't be interested in coming but uh <laughs> i didn't say that he said oh yeah well oh i will I, I go to church too i said good get it i didn't say great i said good and she said yeah i live in the shores i go to that church over there and i said wings of faith because i know i used to know the pastor johnny johnson over there I knew a bunch of those guys no it's why way she, she. It wound up being, what's his name's church over there uh, by the Baloney Mountain over there? What's his, what's the name? Church of Springs. Church of Springs. Yeah, yeah. So you, get, you know, she goes to Church of Springs. These guys tell me, "Hey, man, do you, do you know my pastor?" I said, "What's his name?" Uh, let's see, bro, Pastor uh, Reverend. I said, "Man, you don't go to church. You don't even know your preacher's name. Well, you, you can go to church nowadays and not know your preacher's name." Or never talk to him. And they're just smarter than me. That's all I'm saying. Don't eat the tree. It's very alluring. alluring. It's so pleasant to the eyes because what it does, it somehow gives us some sense of that we're successful. Well, your kids aren't going to think you're very successful when Yeshua looks at them and says, You depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And it's your daddy's fault, pretty much. Because he, this is part of his wake. Well, I bought my kid a car, and I bought my kid this, and I did my mom, it, blah, 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 blah. It ain't going to mean diddly squat if I had put the King James on it. When you stand before Yahshua, and, it may, and you know what? The fact is, that don't matter to most people. You know what I say? Have at it. Have a good time. Don't, don't even, just keep your money. You need to buy the truth. People don't understand you got to buy the truth. Okay. He said, don't even touch it. And God meant it. And Yahweh don't want his kids there's a lot of people watching me. You, don't, you really don't care if your kids go that way because you're not going to lead them or anything. But let me tell you this. Yahweh don't want his kids going that way. Yahweh don't want his kids eating that. Yahweh don't want his kids going there. Yahweh don't want his children to eat from that tree. That's a good daddy. And he jacked, he'd jack me up in a minute. You want to see your neck in this again, Johnny? No, sir. I'm going to stay as free and liberated in you now like a little innocent child. We're going to trust God like what I'm talking about. How can you not trust a loving father like that? 
One of the biggest things, y'all know why we started this church basically on the fatherhood principles because we have not trusted the father image in America. Now those exceptions. I mean, there's good fathers. But sometimes a good father isn't just because you go to Little League with them or you're there all the time. A good father will leave a godly example and make sure they get their well done, even if he don't. You know, people used to come drop their kids off. Drop them kids off, man, and they go to breakfast. Somebody said, I don't think we should let them do that. Oh, I, think, I wish they would do it, all of them. Because we can get them in our wake, right? That daddy don't want to be a father to them, I'll do it. I'll influence them. The title of this message is The Issue of Our Lives Today. I'm going to tell you all, this is the issue in our lives today. Are we going to believe him, or are we going to go try and say, well, you know, it don't really matter. It's optional, really. Look how good I seem to be doing. Okay. No. I want you to think like this. Adam and Eve were special people who were being carefully and specially nurtured for something. And that's what's happening to me. I'm special. And Yahweh is carefully nurturing me. Now, what about you? Are you special? Is Yahweh carefully work, uh, nurturing you to be something great? It's like being prepared to sit on the throne. And that's really the story. The Bible isn't a fairy tale story about knights and kings. and Those are things that are reflections of and a result of the true story of a king. Let me give all the, all the uh, illustrations of what happens to a son who was under governors and tutors to the point in time of the father and all those things that we talked before. But I want to tell you, your heavenly father thinks you're special and he don't want you out there getting all screwed up and dirty and stinky and influence from people who are, have good things, but they have evil results. Stay away from them. And I'm telling you, I'm, I, I don't like for my children to be in bad company because it corrupts good morals. And now we have these people who are Christians and they're no different than people who have evil results. And I was thinking about this. I was blabbing to my wife yesterday. We went to lunch and we're sitting there. And so this stuff gets inside of me. And so what I have to do, I have to, sometimes I have to talk it so my brain will get it. And it just kind of comes out in my brain. Okay, get that, get that, get that, get that. Even though we're trees, and you know how we used to, Johnny told us about the redwood trees and how they had that, that network of, of, of uh, roots down there. And, you know, oh, we can go through those analogies. And, and uh, you know, there, was a, there is a, a story written by a guy named Hess. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a philosopher, blah, blah. But anyhow, it, it's about trees. And so I, I'm aware of, the, of that. I've read a lot of Hess's stuff and Nitschke and, and Goethe and all those kind of guys. And so, but anyhow, he has this thing about this tree, and it's about how to sp you speak to this tree. And, and of course, when I hear something from Yahweh, all of a sudden, doo -doo -doo -doo, I get all these things that I've known in the past. And he's talking about how you, when you cut a tree down, how many of you used to go count the, the rings in a tree, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And he's talking, but he's talking about at the end of the little, I guess it's a short story, a poem. That, to me, a poem needs to rhyme. Okay, I'm, I'm from Georgia. And he talks about this loan tree. Say, Yahweh, you know, we are, we, it remind me of the, uh, the show The Grinch with Jim Carrey. They have this snowflake, and then down in the middle of the snowflake, you know, they have this whole 
kingdom or whatever or town that's on this little money snowflake. Y'all seen the opening of that? And to me, it's like, here we are. We're a forest. Our church is a, we're a forest of trees, many trees, but yet we're really one tree in oak. And I know we've, we've elaborated on that before, but here we are in oak, this lone tree, preaching and heralding a gospel in a world who most people reject. We're dropping acorns. My God, how many of you know them acorns are dropping hard this year? And they'll hurt you, so avoid that. Our Father has never made a law that's unwise. We are His children, His new creation. He is nurturing us. He's, and He's telling us, look, I got the tree of life, the wood of life. Some translations call it the wood. I got that. Don't eat this. Don't touch that. He wants us to follow him in implicit trust as if we were those little new children just showing off for their parents. Such innocence, such trust. Come here. No. Hot. Layla was at the house the other day. She knew exactly what hot was. Hot. Hot. She blows it. Hot. Being nurtured by a father who not only made up the law, but never made any laws that were unwise or not profitable. This is what Yahweh is saying to us today. He is gradually leading us along a path. He's getting us to the place of maturity. He's getting us to understand. He's causing our faith to grow in Him. He's desiring a development of character that will be pleasing to him that he will be able to display as his own work because he has extended himself in no greater way and put all his efforts to get us to believe. He wants us to believe. And I'm not talking about some corny belief so we can get a new car or to waste that on materialism. That's a, that should be just a, what's in our wake automatically. Goodness and mercy shall follow us. That's our wake. He wants us to believe. And the only way that we can believe him is having absolute confidence and trust in whatever his word says. And that whatever his word said, God means it. There's no option. It's like reading that Bible. We think we know what it's going to say. I guarantee you, I've learned a long time ago, that thing is inexhaustible. I can read one scripture one day and the next day and the next day and say, like, boom, 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 boom. You know what I'm talking about. But as we read it with the goggles on and blindfolds, we miss what it means because we haven't opened our ears to what God is really saying to his people. Not only are we not naked anymore, but we also have our ears covered and our eyes covered we got to let Yahweh say what he wants to say. And I think we've done a good job of it these past years. Say what? Yeah. This is what the Bible really says. Say what? We've lessened. We've considered. We've obeyed. Don't you think that's true of us? We've grown to be this great oak in oak. You've got to surrender completely to what he wants to say. Here he is in this final leg of the race. As we approach that finish line, I want to tell you something. If I may fall, but I ain't going to fall back. And if I, have to, if I have to drag myself there, oh, I'm sorry, I would never have to do that because I know you're going to be there and you're going to help me if I fall. I get tired and weary and worn. We're going to help one another because we don't work independently of one another. 
We don't usurp authority. We work together. Sometimes in the babble of our own voices and in our own minds and our own imaginations and what we have been in the core of us believe what's successful and, and how we need to let everybody else think we're successful and show them and, and oh, I got this. I mean, those deficits are costing us too much money. We, got, we always got to do something because we really have this deficit and we're just trying to prove to everybody else what we have even though uh, we, we'll defend it and say, I don't care what anybody thinks, but your life and how you spend your money and your time and what you do proves otherwise that you are poor in spirit. And we can quiet and let Yahweh say what he's trying to say. Will you give him room to talk? Will you let him speak? Will you let him say I think we've been very successful over these years to hear the true gospel preached. And, and if you are a logical person and you don't have a dog in the fight, you, it's undeniable because we prove it scripturally beyond a shadow of a doubt. Not just beyond preponderance of the evidence, but I'm talking beyond a shadow of the doubt. We can show that. This is what the Bible teaches. And you can't deny it unless you just are not a very reasonable, logical person. Or just don't want to. You're always speaking to us now. That spirit word is complete and it's moving together not just a written word and not just the spirit but that spirit word that it gives life and in the wake of is all blessing and so what i'm declaring is are you going to believe what yahweh says are you going to quit eating off of that tree are we going to let him talk are we going to believe that i know it's a sad thing but it's often true that we just throw it to the side because we just really, we love that tree so much. The fruit is so good. It feels good. It makes me feel good and all that kind of, I mean, everything like that. But it does produce death. It does have, an, the result is evil in your life. Now next week, hopefully, I'll talk about that other tree. Happy New Year. Why don't you bow your heads just a moment. So I want to spend just a couple of minutes